Hello, everybody. Woo. That is bright. All right, we got a pretty full house here, and we're ready to get the night started. Are you guys ready to get the night started and talk a little bit of soccer? All right, because we are going to begin. We have a great night ahead. We're going to begin with some Major League Soccer talk as I work my way around uh, the wires here. We have a very special guest who's here tonight as well. The general manager of Toronto FC, Tim Bezbachenko, is here. So you can drill him with any questions that you have about TFC. Do we have a lot of TFC fans in the house? Okay. Any Montreal impact? Okay. Negative. Vancouver Whitecaps? You're by yourself, bud. All by yourself over there. All right, so definitely a lot of TFC fans here to be asking him some questions. And then later on, we're going to have a great panel where we'll talk uh, some EPL. The boys are actually pretty busy today doing a lot of Europa League, but they'll be making their way here exactly to talk some uh, Champions League, EPL, whatever it is you want to talk to them about international soccer. They'll answer those questions. They're Brits. Maybe you can understand them. Italians are the best, though, when it comes to soccer at World Cup. So I'll, I'll get on them about that. Uh, but when it comes to Major League Soccer, obviously it's a very special league. This is a league that we know was first announced in 1993. A little bit of a history lesson here, too, and some of you may already know this. FIFA World Cup was awarded to the United States in 1994, and it was with the understanding that they would have this strong development league, but also just a very strong professional league. So they made the agreement in 1993 that they would do so, and first kickoff was 1996. So, you know, here we are, 21 years, or 20, oh, I can't even do my math. 21? 22? Somebody, thank you very much. 21, the age I wish I still was. 21 years, and already we're seeing massive improvement uh, in this league. In 1996, it started with 10 teams. And like any business, it had its ups and downs. We saw a lot of teams leave the league. Uh, they weren't cutting it financially. Things just weren't working. But now we're at a point where we're seeing teams constantly being added to the league. This year alone, we saw Minnesota and Atlanta join. So now we have 22 teams in this league that continues to grow, get national rights with television. That's where a lot of the money comes from. So we're really starting to see a lot of great talent. You're starting to see a lot of designated players join the league who are not necessarily in the twilight of the years anymore. So there's a lot to be hopeful for as well as it continues to grow into another 21 years and some great players that we're going to see. So I'm going to get things started. But then, of course, I want you guys to ask your questions to the panel that I'm going to have coming up here. So we're going to have Laura Armstrong, who is a sports writer with the Toronto Star, cover the Toronto FC for a few years. And we have John Molinaro, who is the senior soccer writer for Sportsnet. So give me a hand as they uh, come on out. It's their first show, and they're already coming on stage with beer. So clearly they're not rookies, which is awesome. So welcome to, uh, I guess this is, the, this is the first ever Footy Talks, which is pretty awesome. I've been a part of the uh, Puck Talks for hockey, and we get a great crowd as well. Um, but I don't think people realize how many soccer fans there really are out there, and you can already see by the packed house here and the questions that they're going to have. But I guess, uh, you know, John, I'll start with you. You've been covering this league for many, many years. I just gave a really brief uh, and probably cheap history lesson there. Uh, but what have you seen about this league in its growth? And here you are now, 21 years the league's been around, and now we have 22 teams, which originally started with 10. Yeah, I think uh, the main thing that sort of sticks out about, for me, for MLS, is just um, the growth and in interest. I mean, I can remember when the league was first announced, and there was a lot of skepticism. Uh, because that was leading into the World Cup in 94, and of course the U.S., it was contingent on them getting a league to, 
to get the, uh, the World Cup in 94. So I think there was a lot of skepticism on my part. And, you know, in those early years, they were, let's be honest, they were pretty sketchy when you had, uh, you know, teams that were only in, ta in a certain town for a couple of years. You know, the two clubs in Miami were, uh, uh, or in Florida were contracted. But I think they kind of stayed the course, the league overall, and it really kind of built up a solid business plan. And you saw more teams come into the league. And, you know, now it's to the point where you're getting multiple cities around the country in the U.S. who are um, who are really sort of interested in getting a team in, in Major League Soccer, and for good reason. I can remember when Toronto was granted an expansion franchise, the the franchise fee was pretty minimal, a couple million dollars. Now it's, you know, it's, you know, Forbes, I think, rates them uh, worth over $100 million. So you can understand why, why uh, owners are inter interested to get into Major League Soccer. So I think just the sort of stability of the league over the last 20 years is really kind of, uh, is really what's kind of struck me about it. What I find also interesting about the league, and Laura, maybe you can speak to this as well, is I know viewership on TV, this is still something that is a struggle and it, you know, you're looking to get viewership, but then you read articles and already when it comes to attendance, and we know a lot of times the soccer stadiums are bigger than some of the other pro stadiums out there, that MLS has already surpassed the likes of NHL and NBA as far as consistent attendance at a game. Um, can you just speak to just what you see when you go to all these different stadiums and you see the fans and how sometimes it can be deceiving where you think, well, maybe it's not popular because maybe you're not getting the viewership on TV, but you're like, wait a second, there is always at least 20 plus thousand fans that attend these games. Yeah, and I think we saw this in Montreal last year when we got, what, 60,000 people mm. out for, for the playoff game and obviously that was a playoff game, it was a big deal, but... The, the attendance is growing so much, and it's not just the attendance within the stadium. When you go to Liberty Village on a weekend, as I'm sure you guys all know, it's, it's thousands of people in the pubs around the city, and I think that Toronto benefits from being a very international city where you know, people have a history with soccer, whether or not it's MLS, it can be EPL, it could be Italy, Germany, all over the world. And we have all of those sort of people who are coming in and, and from different countries, and... Toronto FC benefits from the diversity of the city, but it's not just it's not just Toronto. You know, you go to Hobo, uh, New Jersey, and New Jersey is is packed, and it's it's a, a fantastic stadium. Part of the reason why, but it's not like Toronto is just is the only city where where this is happening. It, it's all over the country. So let's get to the real struggle, and that's obviously, you know, is soccer getting the attention that it deserves uh, in, A, the country, but if we just localize it even to Toronto, the market, right? We all know hockey reigns supreme, and you're going to lead your nightly newscaster on your first page of your newspaper. It's most likely going to be Toronto Maple Leafs, whether they're having a good year or not. So what's the struggle like for you, somebody who covers soccer on a regular basis, or is there one? Do you find you have a lot of conversations of, hey, you need to run this story first. This needs to be given more attention. Do you still find that there is a battle there? Yeah, I think there's still a little bit, a little bit of a battle, but it's a lot better than when I first started, where it was really a battle <laughs> trying to convince editors and, and employers to send you out and that you should. This is worthy of something that's covering. So I do think it's got a little bit better. It's still a struggle, but it's also. I mean, to answer your question, do they, do they get sort of you know the recognition, the media coverage that they deserve? I'll answer it two ways. And on the one hand, you know, when you compare the coverage that TFC gets compared to other um, Major League Soccer teams, I think they're very well served. Um, and, you know, I'm sure if you ask, you know, 
we'll, you'll, we'll hear from Tim Vesvichenko later on. I'm sure he'll, he'll back me up with this. But there are a lot of GMs around the league that would kill for the media coverage that Toronto FC gets. So I think that's great. On the other hand, you know, as you alluded to, the Leafs are king in this city. And it's very much a struggle to get consistent regular coverage beyond the sort of regular beat reporters who, who cover the team. I was kind of hoping, you know, after the MLS Cup run last year, that we would see an increase in coverage and more dedication from, you know, people like the Globe and Mail or the National Post or other sort of outlets and really give the team the coverage it deserved. But, you know, I'm, I'm finding it's pretty much stayed the same, so they haven't received any kind of, uh, you know, media coverage bumps. So there's still, I think, a fight to be won, but uh, as I said, it's not as difficult as it once was when I first started covering the team. What about you? Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely it's a, it's a battle. I think that, um, you know, you're not... Having moved recently to the Jays, it's like any day they'll take any story. Whereas with TFC, it has to be it has to be a good story to to sort of get the coverage, and 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 doesn't necessarily have to be that way with the other sports. That being said, I also think that TFC hasn't been very good for most of its ten years, and unfortunately, <laughs> where's Tim? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, they, they need to show a little bit of consistency, and they've started doing that. I mean, I have, I'm not the long-suffering beat reporter that John is. I sort of came in, and they started winning, which, I mean, I'm not tying the, si oh, okay. it, the things. You lifted the curse, maybe, is what Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Thanks exactly. <laughs> um, but I think that TFC needs to show a little bit more consistency. Um, and, and they're doing that this season, which is fantastic. And uh, if they can become a playoff team year after year and, and people can expect that, then editors and, and newspapers and broadcasts, they're, they're going to have to give TFC a little bit more attention because you can't say no to a team that's winning. Uh, I'm just going to ask one more question here and then I'm going to open it up to the floor. So put your thinking caps on of anything you want to ask. And John, I'll ask you this because again, as somebody who's been covering the team for so long, um, can't have your drink just yet. Sorry. I've also seen, like, when they went to BMO Field, we've seen the transformation, and we've seen the money that they've pumped into it and just right. creating this great stadium. Because that's been another knock, is, you know, you, you start this league, and then you have a lot of the teams playing on football fields. And I know sometimes they would not even properly paint over the lines. And I know as a viewer sometimes on TV, and maybe you guys felt the same way, you're watching it, and you're like, oh, right? Because all you could see is that all the lines from football, and it would drive you mad. Um, and now they're starting to make soccer-specific stadiums, and BMO Field looks fabulous now, and I know it almost seems like a trivial thing, but how important is that when you send a message to your fans that you actually care enough to create a state-of-the-art building, and, it, I mean, TFC has always been a soccer-specific. I know someone is already thinking CFL. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, and then, no one's happy about that. But it still remains pretty... Um, it's, it's, very, it's a very strong soccer avenue. And how do you think that really helps with letting fans know you're serious about this league, MLS as a whole, in that you're willing to create these arenas, stadiums that you're coming to that are dedicated to your fans? Oh, I think it's massive. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and in Toronto's case, it was really pivotal in those early years because, um, you know, as Laura alluded to, the team wasn't very good. I mean, let's be honest, it was pretty damn bad. So, but the whole sort of appeal of going to TFC games at the time was sort of the experience. It was really, you know, the fans in, this, in the South End, you know, screaming their heads off and, and you know, cr singing the song in honor of Danny Dicchio and throwing the, uh, you know, the cushions on the, on, the, on the pitch by the thousands when he scored. Um, you know, that sort of experience, those first few years when the team was just 
god-awful. That was sort of the whole appeal of BMO Field, of going down there. They created this uh, really unique fan experience that was unrivaled uh, anywhere in Toronto sports, be it you know the Leafs or the Jays or the Raptors or whatever. So, and I think having a you know a great venue like BMO Field, you know, was pivotal in that because it's kind of said to the fans, hey, you know, this is this is your stadium. We're giving you a proper home. Own it. Don't sort just sort of be, um, you know, an occupant or a tenant, so to speak. Make this your own place, and that's what re they really did. And I think you know a lot of other teams are smart to kind of go along that route of having a soccer-specific stadium, or something where they can sort of properly harvest and nurture that culture because that's, I think, at the end of the day, is one of the great appeals of Major League Soccer is the fan experience. Well, and it looks better to, on TV, sure. right? And the networks love it. I remember working sideline in Kansas City, which, by the way, is disgustingly hot. There was no reprieve from the sun, and then when they ended up building their new stadium, the shade, little umbrella, I had water delivered to me, but it also just looked good on TV, uh, and it really makes a difference. So I'm going to open it up now to the floor. Uh, any questions out there with regards to league, team, anything? Right over I know we have some microphones that are kind of going around too, do we? Or, yeah. So if we can just wait, we'll have a microphone come on over. Is it there? You got this gentleman here, the red shirt. Hello? Hi. Testing? Okay, it works. Um, okay, so I know broadcast coverage is really shit. So I get all of my, you know, MLS TFC coverage from online. Um, I'm sure everyone else here does the same thing. Compared to other sports in the city, how uh, is the following online uh, compared to other sports? Like compared to Leaf fans going online to look at Leaf stuff for Blue Jays, etc. Uh, I can answer that. I work on on the broadcast on TSN, and so thank you. I'll try better next time, just for you. <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> I will say, you might want to know who your audience is. Uh, I will say this, though. And it's, but you know what? You are right. Like, I in the past, it was, yeah, and let's just, let's be honest, right? In some ways, it was just a little Mickey Mouse. A, because you also, and here's, again, I'm going to try and be as, as brief as I can about it, but you also have, you know, so many people in the broadcast industry, they get into the broadcast industry, they're Canadian, they're some, you know, Toronto-born, and they love their hockey, and everyone thinks when I get into broadcasting, I'm going to cover hockey, and everything's all about hockey, right down to your editors, to your camera people, to your producers, to your directors. So they're all hockey, hockey, hockey. Now all of a sudden they're being told you have to work soccer. Huh? Like, they don't know how to properly shoot a soccer game, right? Like, no, you don't go to a replay when they're suddenly going to take a free kick. Like, you don't do things like that. But it's been a learning curve even for the broadcast industry in North America where sports like NBA, NFL, MLB, you know, NHL, you shoot it a certain way, you talk about it a certain way. So it has been improving. Um, and, you know, with the league getting bigger and with the network you know, rights being purchased and, you know, going down to even simple things as stadiums looking better. It just looks more appealing on TV instead of seeing football lines. I can say that the numbers for um, the coverage, so TSN does a lot nationally for Toronto, C and Vancouver Whitecaps, and the numbers in particular for TFC have been really good, and they've been improving as the years go on. It really helps that you're poning off a year like last year where they're coming off an MLS Cup final, but the numbers have been getting better, and it helps when there's consistency, because if you recall, this is where I started covering TFC. I was with Goal TV. So, you know, either you subscribe to Goal TV, you either, you know, you subscribe to that package or you didn't. And then, you know, sometimes we had, 
you know, 1,000 viewers. Sometimes, you know, you had 10,000. It was so bad. It was abysmal. Now TSN working on consistency on, you know, what station it's going to be on. The times are getting more consistent. Makes it easier for you guys to know where to go and, and when, right? Do you follow up on that? Yeah. No, 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 but what I'm saying is the, the numbers are still pretty big on TV compared to online. There's still more people who are tuning in to the TV side of things. As the production is getting better, you're seeing more people definitely watch the TV experience now because the, the, that's what I'm trying to say. The shooting is getting better. The coverage is getting better. The analysis is getting better. So more and more people are tuning in TV-wise. So you want to know about online traffic. So it's the social media aspect. Um, my understanding from, from just like the stars numbers is that uh, Blue Jays and Maple Leafs, people will read everything, uh, which is, is more coverage than you would see from a TFC standpoint because there's more written about uh, those teams. Uh, and then I think there's a little bit of a drop, and then it's Raptors coverage, and then there's a little bit of a drop, and then it's TFC. Um, so I think that TFC benefits from the fact that there is a very consistent base and I think that you, you don't see sort of, I mean, certainly when, when the team's winning, there's, there's more traffic than there would have been during the regular season. Like probably now there's not a lot of people who are necessarily paying attention. I don't think anybody but Toronto FC fans really tuned in to watch them play the Ottawa Fury last night. Um, but I would say that um, I think that there, there's still ways to go for Toronto C to sort of get the sort of numbers and the online clicks that uh, the other teams in the market are getting. Um, I also think that TFC benefits right now from the fact that Toronto is becoming a bigger sports market. And I think that you, it can safely say that it's solidified itself as the fourth biggest team in this market, which I think maybe five or ten years ago you couldn't say. Um, so I think that as, as the Blue Jays are doing well, as Austin Matthews is in town, as the Raptors are making, well, hope, hoping to make conference finals, um, there's, there's going to be um, more TFC coverage. I think TFC will benefit from the teams around them and from, you know, the Rolling Stone writing articles about how Toronto is becoming a major sports market. Yeah, I think just from my perspective, too, in terms of the traffic, um, you know, I work for Sportsnet, so obviously, you know, hockey and the Jays are, are kind of our, the driving forces of our traffic, and those do, like, incredible numbers. Uh, the Raptors, too. So, and, you know, Toronto FC and MLS, um, you know, doesn't do nearly as, as much. Um, but the, the traffic that has increased since I've been there, and I've been there, it'll be six years um, in, uh, in October. And, and just the fact that, you know... They Sportsnet kind of reached out to me when I used to work at CBC and brought me on as a soccer-specific reporter. So the fact that they did that and the fact that they were able to they kept me on for six years, I think that says a lot because, you know, there's not too many full-time soccer reporters in the country, right? So the fact that they've actually sort of, you know, gone to the trouble of, of committing that, that valuable resource to it when, 
you know, hockey and, and the Jays and the, the Raptors is the end all and be all very much so of our traffic. Uh, I still think that's, you know, something pretty special. Um, you know, traffic is, is increasing from a TFC perspective. It's not nearly as much as where I'd like it to be, but I certainly do think the, you know, the playoff run last year and the arrival of players like Sebastian Javinko and Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore have certainly helped. So I don't know if that kind of answers your question or not, but it's, it's not nearly as enough, not, not nearly as much as, uh, you know, the Leafs or the Raptors or the Jays, which pains me to say because I'm a noted baseball hater, but, um, but I, do, I do think it is increasing. Yeah, oh, come on. No, I don't like... Hey, I'm with you. I don't like baseball either. Really? There you no, go. not a baseball don't fan Don't worry, guys. It's just my job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he criticized me and we're crapping on you. I'm kidding. All right. Do we have uh, another question right over here? Yeah. I think he's coming right behind you with the mic. Thank you. Um, my question is, what are some tangible things uh, that the team should be doing to increase its profile in this market and that the league should be doing to increase MLS's profile in the North American sporting market. Just interested because you guys are so close to the game and might have some uh, insights. And I know Tim B is in the room too, so uh, uh, I asked that on purpose because uh, you know, if, if you have suggestions, that I, I want to kind of get the, get the sense from both sides. Thanks. Uh, well, they can they make Michael Bradley talk every day for one. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I, I've got to give credit, and I don't just say this because Tim is in the room, but I, I do think the club does a very good job of kind of accommodating us and, and helping us, you know, with our coverage. And I have to say, I've dealt with, you know, every uh, TFC coach since the beginning. Greg Vanny, by far, is the easiest and the most pleasant to deal with. Um, the guy is just unbelievably generous with his time, uh, to a fault sometimes. Uh, and that goes a long way. So I think that's something that's, you know, I certainly appreciate it. I know a lot of my colleagues who cover the team regularly appreciate So I'm not sure that the team can do much more. Um, you know, as far as the league, sure. I mean, more, you know, just shedding some more light on the team just in general. I mean, you know, whenever I tend to, I, I tend to think that they kind of tend to focus more on the New York teams and, and Los Angeles. And certainly this year with uh, Minnesota and Atlanta coming into the league, they've kind of been focusing on that and sort of, promoting them. I, th I think it's just a matter of simple promotion, right? Uh, it wouldn't hurt, too, maybe to have, uh, I know they've talked about it, but having an MLS office here in Canada, although they've been talking that, about that for over a decade now, you know, perhaps having a permanent office here in, in, in Toronto or in Montreal and Vancouver, one of the bigger cities, would really kind of help, uh, you know, help raise the league's uh, profile even more north of the border. I think the league really, and, and I'm sure they're doing this um, but, you know, be more in communication or try to work. I shouldn't say, be, you know, communicate more because I'm sure they are, but trying to come up with more ideas on how to promote the team through media. That really is the major outlet, whether it's, you know, TV, whether it is online and whether it's through print, it's trying to come up with PSAs, like trying to do little short things that people want to click on if they're going online and they see that something is a minute and it's on TV. What is this, right? And it's some sort of promotion of some kind that just gets you pumped up we saw all of those heading into the playoffs right last year and it just kind of got you going it got the blood boiling and you wanted to be a part of it kind of those rah-rah videos are always nice uh, and I think also what we need to what we know about hockey is when the Leafs take on a competitor we know about that competitor like when they take on the Chicago Blackhawks we know who the enemies are on that team so to say right like we know who the guys are who you have to watch out we know the other side of the story and I know where the struggle comes from talking about MLS is you know Toronto FC 
But if you're a casual fan, when they take on the Columbus crew, do you know anything about Columbus? Who's their star player there? What is it about them? What is the history? And I find that, you know, maybe TV and, you know, print or just the media in general, we can do a better job at helping the casual fan understand why this is a big game, why there's a rivalry there. Because sometimes you become disinterested when all you know is TFC, but you don't know anything about the opponent. And you're like, well, why should I care about this match? And then when you lay it out, you know, you can do a better job um, at understanding and even grabbing the casual fan. Because the diehards are there. It's really about the casual fan. I would say, too, that I think that Major League Soccer benefits from having some of the most accessible athletes um, in the world because it's not like you're, yeah, I mean, certainly Toronto FC, we all know, has a, a big payroll compared to sort of um, many player, many teams in the league, and, and that's sort of designated to towards three players. But when you look at TFC's salaries, when you look at sort of the lives they're leading, they're not leading lives that, you know, are, are the 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 you know, messies of the world. They're, they're, they're normal people. And I think that what, in the age of social media, what every kind of casual fan wants to see these days is sort of a, a window into, um, into athletes' worlds. Like, I, I, even speaking from a journalist perspective, I find that people are really interested in what food we eat in the press box. <laughs> um, <laughs> New York has the best press box, as far as I can tell. New York's the best. Yeah, New York's the best. Yeah, no it's so good. Um, maybe it's because we're interested in it. That, that could be part of it. But uh, um, I think that, you know, you get a slice of, of people's lives, and I think that TFC could benefit from – they already do it quite well, but I think benefit from, from telling the stories off the field, um, you know, um, a version of Cribs or something? Yeah, I mean, I Find would... Find out where someone lives. Wouldn't you want to see Sebastian Javinko's Yorkville pad? Because yes. I would. I I'm really sure would. he has, like, an Italian deli that he, he probably goes has to. Why don't you coffee go there? in there. You know, yeah. so, I mean, I think that, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we want to see that. They're people, too, right? <laughs> right here. Uh, my question's for uh, Laura. Uh, what's better, baseball or soccer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> I'm, I'm in a sports journalism program and what we're taught is, is as I'm sure you guys know is there's like an A story a B story and a C story and every day I always get okay the A stories are the Leafs and the Jays and even if Toronto FC are undefeated they're on a franchise record streak they're still a B story so do you ever find that that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in its own way that if you show more Jays people are going to be more interested in Jays or Leafs etc and therefore you can't fight against that wave and and if you do agree with that, how do you kind of fight that in your own way? I 100% agree with it. I've always said that, you know, World Juniors, for example, World Junior Hockey, there was always a, an interest there, a little bit, but not to the extent that there is now because TSN marketed the crap out of that tournament. It became their property. They put all their resources behind it, cool commercials, write-ups. Suddenly, we care about the World Juniors. And I'm not saying that there, aren't some, there isn't great talent at the World Juniors, and you know, a lot of these guys will end up making the NHL, but a lot of them don't. We never hear about them again, yet we really care about this tournament. TSN did a phenomenal job in convincing you the World Juniors is worth watching. So I completely agree with you, and I'm not trying to say the media is brainwashing, or maybe I am, but... You're right. The more you see something, the more you're like, huh, I guess I got to watch it. And then suddenly it's like, this is actually pretty friggin' cool. And I agree with you. And that's been an argument I've had forever. I'm like, if you can turn something into something great and you can do it with any product, you just have to pump your resources behind it. 
Yeah, I think the onus is on uh, the, the journalists who cover soccer, um, maybe even more than the journalists who cover other sports, um, to, to write good stories. Um, I think that it, it puts some pressure on the club, and I think that TFC is quite good at this, that, that they work with you to, to come up with stories. And, and I know, you know their PR department is really phenomenal at trying to you know, convince athletes to do stories that maybe they don't necessarily want to do uh, from the outset. Um, I also think that, um, it, it, as I said, it, it's on the team to keep winning because you can't, you can't necessarily keep a winning team down, even though I know that we, you know, there, it, there was still that fight um, going up, leading into to Major League Soccer's, um, like the MLS Cup Final last year, to make TFC an A story. I also think that league-wide, they need to stop making the playoffs six weeks long because everybody gets bored and by December 10th people are like wait soccer's still happening like that's dumb yeah, yeah no more two-week breaks I agree with you where's Don Garber yeah right, Sean yeah um it's very much an uphill battle as you said I mean no matter how well the team does they're always going to be sort of that B story except maybe during that week for MLS Cup where they were very much the A story how do you fix it I don't know I honestly don't um I think it's just you know People like myself and Laura continue to plugging away and continue to sort of fight the good fight and write um, stories that need to be told, but I think maybe stories that you probably don't know about that should be told. Um, and sort of off, not off-color stuff, but sort of stuff that doesn't necessarily have so much to do with soccer. So the perfect example would be, you know, when Donald Trump won the U.S. election last year, you know, Clint Irwin was someone who's pretty politically engaged. Um, and I remember writing, you know, a few stories about just his thoughts on the election and what it was like for him personally. Now, that might not, you know, to the average sort of TFC fan who only cares about, well, is Seba injured? Is he going to play on, you know, Saturday? That might not necessarily appeal to them. But I think a, a story like that will probably appeal to a wider audience. So I think it's, as I said, it's incumbent upon the sort of regular beat reporters who cover the team to cast their net a little bit wider, not just report on sort of the, you know, the ins and outs of, know what's going on in the field and behind the stage but also kind of stories with sort of greater you know social sort of impact and, and range and not to put the onus on you guys but like get your non-soccer loving friends out to BMO field because if you're a true sports fan you're gonna love that place and you will you will find some people who will get into that stadium and want to come back right so and I think TFC benefits hugely from the base of fans that it has but you know, trying to get as many people as you can out to, to watch the games and sort of fall in love with this this sport and the community that exists around um, TFC. I think, I mean, as I said, I think any anybody who loves sport for the reasons we love sport, the community, the, the atmosphere, um, w will fall in love with TFC the way that you guys all have. And then it goes back to your question. The numbers don't lie. So if more people click on the articles, if more people click on videos that are put up online about the team, at some point, a producer, an executive producer, you can't, or you know, an editor, you can't ignore that. You just can't ignore because the numbers don't lie. And if people are clicking on it, if people are reading it, if people are engaging, then you have to cater to the crowd. You have to cater to the audience. So you're right. It, it does work. You know, They can provide only so much information. You have to be willing to want that information too because that's what you sell to sponsors that's what you sell to advertisers you show them the money 
and the number, or sorry, I say you show them the numbers, they show us the money. And that's how you end up saying, look, this is the interest level, right? So that goes back to your, the clicks, and you're right about that. In the corner. So a lot of us in this room go to like places like The Guardian, football, for not just the scores, but analysis and drama and the David Squires cartoons and all that kind of stuff. And it is tough to find that in mainstream media, but we're getting that a lot more from not mainstream media and from blogs and aggregators and other writers. And I guess the question is, how much is that influencing what is your, your argument, right, for saying that there is a following, there are people who don't just want the AP lines and the scores, they actually want a lot more than that, they want the drama and the analysis. And to your point, what kind of advocacy beyond just clicking can you do? Because it's one thing to say there's raw big numbers, it's another thing to say there's people who spend a lot of time on a website. And they're more likely to see the advertising, they're more likely to engage with it. And rather than just clicking, what other things can consumers and fans and champions of the game do to convince your editors that this is, that, you know, TFC won last night and it's not even anywhere near the banner or anywhere near the front page. And the Toronto Sun's got like two page spread on this and you guys are not looking good. Uh, what can we do as advocates to sort of convince you of that? Well, I think, you know, first of all, events like this certainly help. Um, if, if for no other reason, my boss is somewhere in the back, uh, so he's hearing all this, so you can have a word with him later. Um, no, but I, I do think events like this, or, and this, this is why it was so great that I got invited, was that you know this would have been un unimaginable 10 years ago, right? So I think it shows that there is some sort of level and that there's a growing, com sorry, a growing community of, of soccer fans in this city. So you know, if you kind of continue to let your voices be heard and sort of email editors or you know, social media, right? Because a, a lot of writers and editors are on you know, Twitter or Facebook. And you, you, know, you raised the point that you just raised. Hey, you know, Toronto played Ottawa yesterday. I know we all want to forget the result, but it was a pretty uh, important game. Uh, you know, it wasn't on your homepage. What's going on with that? Um, so I think that's important. And you, you mentioned a good point about sort of blogs as well, kind of non-mainstream uh, you know, media reporters. Um, I think they play a pivotal role. I really do. I, I, I think, you know, you shouldn't just sort of be getting your news from, you know, people like Laura and myself. You should be getting it from, you know, from bloggers as well because they're, you know, very much, a lot of times they're, they're you know, they're sitting in the stands, so they have a very unique perspective. So they're literally on the front lines. So I think uh, they, they play an absolute, uh, you know, pivotal role in the coverage of this team. But read everything me and John do. Yes, absolutely. Like literally everything. Um, I mean, I think that all of these questions sort of, uh, they're difficult to answer because we as a business are shrinking uh, and it, it's, not, it's not that easy um, to, to cover all of these sports all the time. Um, and I also think that we need to make sort of leveled arguments about when TFC should be the number one story because there are certainly days where TFC deserves to be the number one story. Last night, TFC playing the Ottawa Fury was not the biggest game in Ottawa because go sense go. But like, um, it just like wasn't. So it's hard to, it's hard to, I mean, we, we need to make rational arguments for when this team deserves coverage and, and for when it doesn't. And it's not to say that, that TFC didn't deserve to, to get in the newspaper last night. Uh, it just means that, or you know, online or wherever, it just means that you know, it's not gonna lead the story yesterday and yesterday it didn't deserve to lead the story. So we, we need to make sure that we're making the arguments where they make the most sense. 
Um, I also think that, um, you know, especially in the TFC world, I think that the blogs are, are fantastic. And I, I think that maybe going forward in terms of mainstream media, we need to, um, and we've been talking about this for a long time, I, I know in our sports section, about changing the way that we cover this team because you get the score and you get the play-by-play -play on Twitter or on social media. And by the time the newspaper or even the, the story gets online a couple hours later, you're, it's old news. So, you know, we're looking at, at discussing how to sort of analyze games or to write stories off of the gamer that are, that are a little bit different. You know, pick a point in the game that is interesting and, and cover that rather than um, covering the game itself. You know, what was the game where they, TFC had the like 20 pass? Remember recently the 20 pass? Oh, right, yeah. Um, God, I, I, can't I forget who it was, but yeah, the 20 pass. Was it Houston? Houston, there right, you go. Thank you. Like analyzing that moment rather than analyzing the whole game because I know like for, for TFC at least, uh, for the star at least, you know, we have Neil Davidson who is one of the best soccer writers in the city and has been for a long time providing the game story. So if I'm there, why not give you double the amount of coverage by analyzing a point in this game or analyzing something that somebody said after the game rather than, um, than, than producing the same thing when two of us are there. Um, so it, it, it comes down to, I think, the, a lot of creativity. Um, and I think that it'll come down to creativity on the part of you guys and, and the part of TFC and the part of us to all sort of push this forward. And you're right. I mean, social media is the best way to politely to voice your displeasure, obviously. Uh, people are more receptive to listening to that kind of criticism, but trust me, they check. They definitely have people who monitor you know, the, the social media accounts, and again, they, they're checking the pulse of the fans and just of the community and what it is that they want to see. Now, I'm also, I'm the type of person where I like to bring fire. I believe controversy is also what gets people engaged. And I feel like heading into last night's game may or may not have affected ratings in any way or interest in any way, I don't know. But if you're a TFC fan, you should be seething right now that they once again have to compete for the Canadian title when they won it last year. Will Johnson broke his freaking leg scoring that winning goal. And because they switched the dates, suddenly that title's not being honored. Like, I feel like that should have been a story going into last night, getting people riled up, pissing them the hell off. And I know that that's a story that my, you know, for example, I always try to think of a casual fan Believe it or not, my mom's the diehard. It's my dad who's the casual. But that would pique my dad's interest. He'd be like, what? Well, who pissed off? What? What do you mean they no win? What? My dad's Italian, right? So all of a sudden, he's like, what are you talking about? And then you tell that story. And I believe sometimes you got to bring that little, like, light the flame, get the shit going, and that suddenly will get some interest too. So sometimes we don't need to be telling all the raw, raw stories. Sometimes we need to be telling the gritty stories and the stories that spark a little controversy because that's what gets people interest. Whether we like it or not, we love gossip. We love that shit. So the more we can tell that, guarantee more people will become involved. Trust us, we wouldn't have written this much about grass if you guys didn't read the stories that piss people off. All right, so that's it for the MLS panel. Thanks so much. It was great questions, guys. We got Tim Pacheco coming up next. <laughs> 